All right, welcome back to the Wide Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Miami Hurricanes beat writer Manny Navarro of The Athletic, joined once again by my co-host, now regularly, Carlos Ledo of the MIA All Day Podcast. It is Wednesday, about 1.15 p.m. on November 24th, the day before Thanksgiving. Carlos is getting ready to head out with his family uh, to Orlando, and um, I'm still in the middle of a, of a housing re- renovation here. The floors are done, Carlos. But uh, the paint job still has to be done. I ordered my brand new 86 inch television. I'm going to put up on the wall. I'm all pumped up for the cheese. Yeah, yeah. That's wow. gonna, it's going to be it's going to be spectacular. I'll be able to watch Miami and Duke and see uh, the sweat coming off of Manny Diaz's brow. So I'm pumped up, man. It's going to be uh, phenomenal once this all is all done. It's a nice little Christmas present here at Casa Navarro. Much needed Christmas present. Um, how you doing, man? Like, uh, you, 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 you know, I know you're leaving to Orlando, but uh with all of these uh, insiders out there providing such great information on the internet, I mean, uh, it's been really entertaining, right? Uh, watching these guys go to work and throw out all these rumors. Yeah, yeah, it's fantastic, man. I mean, uh, it's it's tis the season of rumors for Hurricanes football, and uh, all these guys dropping insider information. It's just fun to watch. Like, even if it's not right, I think some of the outlandish theories are just awesome to look at and, and laugh at. Um, especially when you've got so many people like you reporting actual facts. Um, and people ignore it completely. And then they, what they do is they'll repackage it and say it in a different way. And then everybody jumps all over like, oh, shit, look at the news. This guy just broke when you said that three or four weeks ago. Yeah, they just have to go back and click on my story from November 2nd. And, and pretty much everything I said is played out according to uh, to plan there. Uh, Manny Diaz's uh, future was not necessarily tied to Blake James. Uh, the school says it wants to spend more money, but it's still undecided on Manny Diaz. And nothing has changed since then. So, yeah. But- but, uh, you know, hey, listen, we got to entertain ourselves, right? Um, it's, it's, it's been a six and five regular season. Miami gets back on the winning side of things last week with the, uh, with the win here at home over Virginia Tech in a torrential downpour. Tyler Van Dyke wins ACC Rookie of the Week or co-ACC Rookie of the Week this week, fourth time in five games. And uh, everybody's, you know, it's going to be Mario Lane, right? It's, it's over. It's done with. It's going to be one of those two guys. Uh, I, I wish people would sort of keep track of everything that just thrown out there. Right. And, and, you know, people who claim to know what's really going on um, and, and keep record of it all because it, to me, it's hysterical. It's, it's, it's hysterical. The number, the amount of misinformation, but we don't need to get into all of it. Carlos, we're above I'm that. I'm taking my laptop with me to Orlando. So like maybe <laughs> at night when I'm resting in bed, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a spreadsheet of rumors, maybe. And then okay. who, who attributed that who's attributed to that rumor. And then when it's all said and done, we could clap back at these people and say, hey, remember this shit? <laughs> yeah. Because look, at the end of the day, everybody thinks they have sources, right? Everybody has sauces, mm-hmm. right? The only sauces I believe in come from Mama Lucy's. That's the only, <laughs> the only sauces I believe in. Because uh, that's where the sauce is boss. Yep. But uh, look, man, everybody wants to be an insider. And I get everybody's excited about the program. People that have uh, friends or uh, know people within the program or that played for the program feel they have insider information that, that they want to share. I have a friend of mine who's been trying to feed me information for years that I sometimes drop on you because he works with people that actually played uh, for UN both in football and baseball. And he, he thinks he's got a pretty good insider connection. And that guy, these are legitimate people. I know them. I've met them. I know who they are. And they are hitting 
below the Mendoza line when it comes to information on the University of Miami. Every, every now and then, he'll get a piece of information that's correct, and then he will let me, never let me live it down because I don't publicize it. And I'm like, dude, you're still hitting under 200. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to throw it out there because, first of all, that's not my job. Uh, I'm not out there to, to try and be an insider. I like reacting to the news better or analyzing what people are putting out there as opposed to actually reporting some stuff like it's real or it's true. Um, and the other thing is, like, it's real easy for some of these people to throw stuff out there and not have any consequences for being wrong because this is not what they do on a regular basis. And also to be so cryptic with what it is they say or tweet that they can always act like they were right from the beginning. It's kind of like they feel they're Nostradamus and they throw out these little uh, vague quatrains and everybody can and go ahead and interpret them however they want. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, they'll say, look, this is what I meant. I was right. Yep. And I'll say a couple of things here, just just in the aftermath of stuff that I've learned over time here in the past, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks covering the story and, and talking to somebody who's directly uh, in charge. Right. Somebody who is one of the four people actually making decisions along with uh, Julio Frank. Um, and, and that is like athletic director Blake James. Right. Everybody's like, oh, he's getting fired November 15th or whatever, whatever day that people were throwing out there. Um like he was still meeting with former hurricanes uh, five days before he was fired and with, with the president's advisors to talk about the future of Miami and how the alumni is going to work. Like for people to think that this was something that was coming forever, like for sure it was going to happen is just not true. And once Miami lost to Florida state, that's what ultimately triggered it. Right. It was like, okay, well, listen, uh, <laughs> We're, we're ready to part ways now. Like, and, 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 you know, to me, a guy like Blake James doesn't meet with people and have important meetings with people. If he's going to get fired, like it just, if that was already predetermined. So again, like you can say throwing stuff out there and, and all this kind of stuff. Sure. There were warning signs that Blake James was going to get fired. I reported on November 2nd, his future is not tied to Manny Diaz, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a, for, anything is a for sure thing. And I think that's what everybody has to get through their head in this situation is, you know, you, you can sit there and basically guess and say, hey, Manny D is going to get fired at the end of the year, right? It's a guarantee. Well, no, I, I, I reading the tea leaves, my own interpretation of conversations that I've had, like you hire a new athletic director because you want to change the direction of the athletic program. But at the same time, if you're not going to get the best coaches available, I think the thinking behind the scenes is you bring Manny back, right? Especially if he finishes the year potentially six and one, right? I mean, if they, if they went out, here they win the, the versus duke which everybody expects them to do and then the bowl game or like, seven one if they win a bowl game yeah right i mean you 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 end up finishing the year with some momentum and as i mentioned in that article november 2nd like there's a possibility he could stick like it wasn't a, a complete slam dunk type of thing and i know everybody wants to say it oh there, there's no way you know there's going to be this uproar i said this last night on one of those twitter spaces i've been going on twitter by the way on those twitter spaces to talk to fans directly um, in part because I have friends that ask God me bless you. God bless you for having that patience. In part because my friends asked me to do it. A couple of people I, I, I know and like have asked me to go on and do these things. But I told them last night, I said, I mean, look, has Miami gone through shitty times before, Carlos? I mean, did, I mean, did, or did the losing just start with Manny Diaz? Uh, for the last 18 years, I would say, yeah. Right. And, and, and how many times have people said that they're going to, stop buying their tickets and not going to games anymore every single seat and what happens the next year um then people show back up okay 
Now, we're not selling out every game, but uh, uh, to be honest, even when they're good, they're not selling out every game anyway. Right, but there's still the same 35, 40,000 people who show up, right? I mean, right. as a Hurricanes fan, as disappointed as you are every single year, um, I, I think you, you, you still know that there's only six home games every year to go to or seven if you're lucky, right? And, and you love your team so much that as much as you might hate the head coach or the offensive coordinator or the defensive coordinator, right? Last year it was Blake Baker. Everybody wanted Blake Baker gone. This year it's Manny Diaz. The year before that it was Danny Enos. Uh, I mean, we can go back, right? The year before that it was Mark Rick's son. Um, and there's always a villain, right? There's always somebody who has to be hated on. But the next year fans show up again and they, and they come back. So I get it. A lot of you guys are disappointed. You don't want Manny Diaz to be your coach. But in the end, the university president, Okay, has put people on this case and said, we're going to spend money. That's something that's never happened before. What does that result in? I don't know. But I know going into the end of this season, you have to feel better. They're not just sitting on their ass doing nothing. Yep. Right. I, I mean, what if what if they bring Manny Diaz back? Right. Lashley leaves for a head coaching job somewhere, which we've told you at the beginning of the season that might happen. Um, and they hire a new offensive coordinator and a new defensive coordinator. Manny Diaz. Has you know, and they spend a shitload of money on those guys. What's your outlook then? I mean, you still have the best quarterback in the ACC coming back next year. You still have James Williams and Avante Williams and, and all these guys that, that you have a lot of hope for. Romello Brinson, uh, Jacoby George, the running backs, Don Cheney Jr., Jalen Rivers will be back in health. Like, you have this young nucleus. Um, like, that's what you got to be excited about. Like, you have the young players and nobody's left yet. And the administration says they're going to spend money. That's those are all good things to be excited about. Right. Right. Absolutely. I mean, that's that in the end is. is and look, I understand there's a mistrust like, oh, God, if they bring him back, Manny Diaz is going to be the same thing. The defense is still going to suck and blah, blah, blah. We don't know what next year's roster is going to look like. We don't know what they're going to do in the transfer portal. We don't know who they're going to be able to acquire here. Like it, the story isn't done being written. And. I think if you're a Miami fan, there's a lot more encouraging news out there than discouraging news. And all these rumors about a power struggle behind the scenes and Manny Diaz's people and the Columbus uh, high, uh, you know, all of this stuff about this power. It's all nonsense. There's four people making a decision here. It's the president, his two advisors and one more person. That's it. Yep. Lake James was a part of that party and he got fired. So now it's it four. gone from five to four. And once that fifth person gets replaced, those will be the people that decide on Manny Diaz. I said this November 2nd. I told you they were going to spend more money. And this number of 20 to 30 million or 25 million, or that's not a fixed number. It's, it's a number that's fluid. And it's not a guarantee for the next 10 years or the next five years, the next three years. And it can't be because but, you don't have an athletic director that is the one putting together the budget to present to the president for approval. Correct. And until the, the athletic director comes in and there is a plan put forth, just speculating, we can all speculate. Right. It could be more than 30 million. It could be a hell of a lot less. It depends on where they need to. And also, to me, the whole, oh, they're going to spend 20 to 30 million on the budget. That doesn't tell me where you're going to allocate. That's really important. Where's that money going to go to? Where's that? What's that for? Because if you spread 30 million, uh, 1 million at a time over certain little individual incremental spending, that really doesn't make a big difference. If you dump 30 million into a coach, okay, that's different. And a staff, or if you dump 30 million into facilities, that's not that much, right? Mm -hmm. So it depends on what it's used for and what the, what the actual money is allocated for. And I think it's more than just 
what you're this this one big check you're going to write out. I think the more important thing for this program, this athletic department moving forward, is like you just said, having a long term vision for where resources are going to go, what resources are needed, how are they going to generate the money for those resources to be fulfilled over the long term, not just one time, and how to get them to an elite level from a coaching facilities and just infrastructure standpoint. Correct. And, and in the end, they're going to need a long-term commitment. This is only going to work if Julio Frank is in charge for the next five to 10 years and he continues to put the money towards the athletic program that it needs. Because the reality is if Miami's going to survive on just what it kills, right? Just what the athletic department kills, that budget is peewee sized compared to the big time players. So yep. if you're ever going to get a Mario, a Lane Kiffin, a Nick Saban, a uh, whoever, Luke Fickle, if you're ever going to get the best coaches in college football to come down here, they're going to want unlimited resources. They're going to want as much as they can get, as Brett Romberg so eloquently said last Thursday when I was at the Canes for Life roundtable. It has to be carte blanche. It has to be a full and total commitment. So, again, there's a lot of moving parts here. Yes, the Board of Trustees has had a big say in, in, in things in the past, but I think in this circumstance, there are four people ultimately making decisions and a lot of other people talking a lot of shit and a lot of shit is getting out there and a lot of things being said. And it's just my understanding of the situation again, direct conversations. Okay. I, no decision has been made yet on Manny Diaz. We'll find out after Saturday's game, what the deal is, right? We and should also- have, <clears throat> Let's, let's be clear for the people who have a difficulty comprehending the information that gets released on this podcast or anywhere else. Nobody here is endorsing Manny Diaz. Nobody here is saying, beating the table, that Manny needs to keep his job because of what he's done. All right? We're just telling you, or Manny is telling you, I'm sitting here talking shit about whatever Manny says. Um, he's reporting that the decision hasn't been made, right? That there are other factors that lead into this, that the athletic director needs to be... Uh, involved in to be able to make this final decision and that Manny Diaz may come back if the circumstances dictate that. We are not saying that Manny Diaz has earned it on the field because as we both said, he has made mistakes. He has shortcomings. He has not done what he should have done over this three-year period. Now, at the end of the day, if he's the better option as opposed to some, uh, you know, Mac coach or somebody that we, or an offensive coordinator from some other power five school, because they determined that that's the best thing moving forward, at least for one year, to see what else is out there, and that's what's going to happen. But we're not saying the Cuban Illuminati is not here to defend Manny Diaz, okay? And by the way, all of you that continue to accuse us of being the Cuban Illuminati, Mario Cristobal is Cuban, guys. So uh, <laughs> if, that's your main, if that's your main guy, and we're the Cuban Illuminati, then what are, what are we doing? We're probably laying the table to make it easier for Mario to come in, right? Yep. Um, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I think... Uh... Yeah. When it comes to all this kind of stuff, man, like take a deep breath. Um, once the athletic director is hired and I, and, and I, and I'll tell you this, I was told this and I reported this in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, thorough search swiftly as possible. They are aware that the football season is going to end soon. They are aware the four people making these decisions four. okay, it's not five anymore. It's four. the four people who really know what the F is going on know that the football season is coming to an end. They know that players are going to enter the transfer portal. They know that coaches are going to switch jobs. There is urgency, but there also is a desire to make this right so that you're not redoing this in three to five years. Okay. Which was the main complaint 
about a lot of people's hiring, about the hiring of many ideas was they moved too quickly. They had a 12-hour search. They hired him without actually investigating or vetting any candidates. And now the university is taking its time to make the right decision with the athletic director and making a decision on Manny, and they're moving too slow. And you can never win. And as of Sunday, and I haven't checked back in with these guys, but as of Sunday, um, I know Alonzo Highsmith hadn't been interviewed yet. Has he had conversations with the university in the past? Yes. He is a trusted advisor. Okay. Um, Gino Toretta had not been interviewed either. So those guys, the whole former Hurricane contingent, what about is this guy going to get a chance and blah, blah, blah. Um, they hadn't been interviewed yet. Why? Because this thing hadn't really begun. You know, I mean, yes. Did, did they have ideas going into um, the firing of Blake James who they might like? Sure. But they hired a search firm. They've activated it. It is working. They are doing their due diligence. And uh, eventually they'll pick a guy probably sometime next week. Um, it is Thanksgiving week. People are <laughs> out of pocket. Doing stuff with their families. Yeah. Right. So, um, and, and and I could totally see Manny getting, you know, again, I was told his future is only promised through the end of the regular season, but I could see him coaching the bowl game and extending this further into December and letting him recruit and continue to do his job for now. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um you bring in a new coach here anyway, he's not going to all of a sudden jump on the recruiting trail and have everything fixed by December 15th. Like that's, that's a foregone conclusion. Um, it's more about February, right. And, and, and can that guy still land guys either through the portal or through the, through the uh, later signing period that guys that don't. And speaking sign. of the bowl game, speaking of the bowl game, people keep saying that mm-hmm. um, what's the point of letting Manny coach the bowl game, you know, to go to a shit bowl and get a win doesn't make a difference. Manny, do you know what Miami's bowl record is since the 2001 national championship? Uh, two wins. Actually, since 2001, it's four and 12, I believe, right? Is it four and 12 since 2001? Since, 2000, since 2001. Since Larry Coker left, it's one and 10. Right. Okay. So you're talking about the 2003 Orange Bowl, the Micron, whatever the hell that thing was uh, up in um, so Boise State, the Blue Field, and then, right. and then the one in Orlando. Right. Right. So they've, they've got uh, four wins since 2001 in four and 12, 16 bowl games. They got four wins. Yeah. Right. Since Larry Coker left, they're one in 10. Yep. So don't tell me that the bowl game doesn't make a difference. When the last time you won a bowl game was West Virginia. And before that, well, you had not won a bowl game. Got it, it, I'll tell you this. It's changed because the meaning has changed. You have the early signing period now. And you have kids opting out regularly. Now, that's that's what's changed since Larry Coker left. Um but that's only in the last five years, right? Six years that they've had the early signing period, however long it's been. It's not like that's been around long, but there are going to be guys that check out. I mean, Charleston Ramble pretty much spelled it out, right? That he probably won't play in the bowl game in his interviews Tuesday. I wasn't there. I was at the beach with my kids, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's going to be guys that sit out. It's just, it's just the way college football is now. It, it basically becomes a glorified spring game. It's who are you bringing back in 22 um, that's what the bowl game is going to be. There are going to be kids that sit out. There will be some like Mike Harley that probably play in the bowl game because they're still trying to prove the NFL teams that they're draft worthy. But a guy like Charleston Rambo, who's probably, you know, dealt with some bumps and bruises. Maybe he gets a chance to sit out. I don't know. Um, you know, Deandre Johnson, maybe he feels he's got enough on tape that he doesn't need to play. But there, there are going to be guys that don't play because that's just what, that's what happens every year. And to me, I, I personally think the value of the bowl game has changed um, in the sense that if you're not in the college football playoff 
and you have a bunch of guys sitting out anyway, I don't think anybody really takes it into account, Carlos. I I, I don't. I, yes, could it be a momentum builder? Yes, for for somebody. That's like, what, yeah. Does somebody somebody like Miami who has a young team? Sure. Yeah, Tyler. Van Dyke, like it's about, good. Yeah. For, it's good for those guys. But I'm talking about the big picture of the program overall. I don't think anybody takes it as seriously anymore because you know you always have the excuse of well we didn't have 20 guys playing the game. You know that played with us all season. Yeah, my thing is my thing is you can't constantly point at the program uh not winning big games or, or winning matchups against other power five teams and other conferences and not being at the level they need to be at and then shit on it if they do end up playing a team that's maybe top 25 or from another power comp five conference and get a solid win and have momentum going into the next season like it's it's you can't have it both ways and to me it's this bowl game in particular if, especially if manny coaches has significant importance because you want to see what this is your first look at the next season, right? Because a lot of times teams before the bowl game will make changes to try and springboard into the next season. Like you might see Chase, Chase Smith, a linebacker in the bowl game as a starter. You might see those three uh, safeties playing together all at once as part of that new package moving into the next season. You might see some of the younger guys that haven't gotten as much run playing in this bowl game to see what they have to springboard into the spring uh, practices. So, and for the head coach, it might be something where he's playing. It's his last gasp, you know, that last opportunity to try and show these guys are making the decisions. Hey, we can get this done and I can be the guy that does it. Now, like you were saying earlier, he's probably going to have to hire an offensive coordinator because I'm pretty sure Lashley's gone if SMU offers him the job. And he definitely has to hire a defensive coordinator because he cannot continue being the defensive coordinator uh, and, and splitting his focus to be able to save his job. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. He, I, I think in this case, you could see a guy like Bob Shoup take, get a spot on the staff. If Manny's still in charge, I think you could see him moving from an analyst role. I think the money he's getting paid by whatever school yeah. fired him last, whether it was Mississippi state, Michigan, I don't know where that, wherever the hell he was at before. Well, it, it, there's an offset, right? When it comes to right. contracts, there's an offset. So like if he was making a million dollars at Mississippi state and he's getting paid 500 grand in Miami. Now Mississippi state is only paying 500 grand. He's still getting a full million. Right. Um, all right, let's get into a couple other subjects real quick and, and the mailbox, just things that were said this week on Monday that I wrote about a little bit. One of them that was interesting was Manny Diaz saying uh, he was asked by Susan Miller Degner of the Herald about the recruiting, right? Like uh, the early signing period is three weeks away. And Manny basically said that um, there's a lot of recruits that said, hey, man, uh, <laughs> we, we kind of want to see a Miami again this December and that there's a chance that they could maybe get in on some of the guys that we thought they had no chance at. I haven't done any more homework on it. I haven't called Shamar Stewart's coach. I haven't called Wesley Besaint, but all the recruiting experts seem to think that Manny's crazy, that these guys are going to Texas A&M and Florida state and other schools. But it's interesting that Manny is putting that out there saying, you know, Hey, we've got all these big time recruits and they're like watching our kids thinking, Hey, those guys are actually playing on the field. Is there a chance we could be really surprised, Carlos? Do you think there's any chance at all that we're really surprised December 15th and all of a sudden there's some new recruits or, or some big-time kids that sign with Miami because of things that are going around in college football? What do you think? I, I said that on my on my podcast on the remix to Ignition, the last one I released because I screwed up the audio on the initial one I sent out this week. But okay. um, uh, I, what I was saying is that, like you just said, I think if there is a chance that they get some another shot at these guys, it's because they see the potential on, on the offensive side of the ball with TVD at quarterback and all the young weapons and that all those guys are coming back and they see the defense and they see what kind of a total disaster it is, but they see those young guys playing and saying, shit, 
there's an opportunity for me to plug in right away into the spots where they're weakest and have a chance to be a 10-win team and play for a conference championship and be an integral part of that, even if I don't start, at least be a heavy rotation guy as a part of this team as a freshman. Where else am I going to get that opportunity? Yeah, I can go to AM and maybe compete for an SEC title, but I'm not going to see the field. What I'll get, like maybe five, 10 snaps of that a game if I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Or at Miami, I could be splitting reps with a starter or starting and being a main contributor here and getting more tape out there to eventually build myself and build my profile for the league and get this individual and team success at the same time. So I think that's an opportunity. And I think that's what it would entice these guys. Now, do I also think this is a little bit of posturing by Manny Diaz to try and save his job? Yes. I do. Um, because, but at the same time, Shamar Stewart was at the Virginia Tech game and he right. hyped it up. He said, a great time. Some of these guys tweeted out they were at the game and had a great time. So Manny's sort of leveraging that into, you know, politicking. He learns from his dad. His dad's a politician. He knows how to handle the media. He knows how to do public relations and he knows how to raise his profile. Um, so, yes, he is telling a little bit of the truth, but he's also spinning it in his own favor. I mean, this season has just been – I mean, if they end up getting any of these elite kids from their own backyard, the Shamar Stewarts, the Wesley, the Saints, and they end up finishing strong. I mean, I know you're headed to Disney, but this is going to be Mr. Diaz's wild ride if that really happens. If anything, like, it is going to oh, be – it, 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 it is – this season will have just been ridiculous. By the way, I, I put this in my story. Um, you know, Manny talked about the defense, and he was asked about why isn't it better and yada, 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 if he would still be defensive coordinator, knowing what he knows now after 11 games. And he said, yes, absolutely. He would still take on that job. Um, couple stats here. Miami's given up 33 points a game this season uh, against FBS opponents, against Power 5 teams, 34.2 per game. Only Duke is worse in the conference. And Saturday's win over Virginia Tech marked the first time in 10 games dating back to last year's 48 nothing shutout at Duke. The Hurricanes held a Power 5 opponent to less than 30 points. So Manny keeps saying it's inconsistency, big plays. I just think the defense stinks, and it's just not good enough and consistent enough. And, you know, he's not going to throw more guys under the bus, but the reality is, like, those breakdowns, like, to me, guys like Takori Couch, the step back that those guys have taken, right? He was your best cornerback at yep. the end of last season. Now he's not even really getting on the field anymore. Gervin Hall's gone. Bubba Bolden injured. Um, like that's the regression to me that has been the most surprising for you going into this last regular season game. When we sit here and say, what, where did the defense go wrong? What do you see as the biggest mishap? Well, there's the linebackers obviously have been extremely disappointed. And we knew that coming into the season, that was going to be the weakest point of the team. We hoped that at some point throughout the season, that somebody else would emerge from that group of young linebackers and step in and, and fill that role, or at least contribute in a way that was significant. And what have we gotten? Back to Ryan Ragoni. And uh, <laughs> made the best and all play that, of any all, linebacker all season. But all that kid does is make tackles, right? He's not yep. spectacular, but he knows how to wrap people up. And that's something our linebackers apparently don't know how to do. Um, and yes, the, to me, the, the most surprising thing has been the defensive backs and how terrible they were this season. Um, you know, Bubba Bolden, Gervin Hall were really bad. Obviously, when Bubba was injured, we didn't know about that. Um, but Gervin Hall was just terrible, spectacularly terrible. Um, the corners to Corey Couch specifically has been bad. We've been trying to find somebody on that island because DJ Ivy also has not been good, although he's been better the last couple of games. The last two games, two best, two best PFF grades of the season. Yeah, even, even though he maybe gave he up, turns I think, it two around. touchdowns. Right. Yeah, maybe maybe he turns it around. And you know, sometimes you got to throw away some of the stats because this last game with the rain and, and all that shit, it was very hard footing out there. So if somebody was trying to make a play on a ball and they were slipping, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. Um, whereas Marcus Clark just literally let somebody post up in front of him in the end zone 
and watched him catch the ball in front of his face. That had nothing to do with the field. Um, but yeah, I think the one bright spot in that secondary has been Tyreek Stevenson and his play. And you're losing it, or more than likely losing him at the end of the season. So how do you replace that? And what do you do moving forward? And I think that's why a lot of these guys, of the eight commitments that are on there for this season, most of them are defensive backs, and they see the opportunity to jump in and make plays right away for this defense. And think about it this way. You just gave those stats. They're averaging, giving up three, four points a game to Power 5 teams, right? If they drop that down to 28 points a game, which is not great, it's not spectacular, it's average, I would say, in college football, maybe a little bit below average, they might be a one-loss team, right? A minimum two-loss team. And that's pretty impressive. No doubt. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't have lost to Virginia. Granted, Brendan Armstrong had a, you know, a shitty day and they were still in it because he had a shitty day. Um, well, so did TVD. Yeah. But I'm saying just from a defensive standpoint, like he, he wasn't on his best that day. They still lost the game, but they could have beaten Virginia with one less score, right? The ball that goes through uh, Marcus Clark's hands, for instance. Um, and then uh, against North Carolina, I don't know. I mean, Sam Howell, to me, still put up a ridiculous you know, amount of points. Um, but if they give up one less touchdown, yes, they win that game. So, yeah, they'd be in the ACC championship game right now if, if they didn't blow those two games. We know that, right? Yeah, a little fourth, bit better defense. Right, fourth and 14, um, you know, with Florida State. They'd be undefeated right now. Um, flip side of that is they also pulled some out of their asses in the ones that they have. So, um, again, just you're right, though. 28 points a game probably wins in the division. Um, but, you know, that's what that's what happens when you give a bad plays and you give a fourth and 14 and you uh, have a ball go through your hands and, and all those other things that happen. Um, all right. Uh, so anyway, defense needs a lot of work. We know that um, one thing, uh, obviously, the news this week, James Williams had surge season ending surgery. The one thing that was interesting last game is they started Amari Carter at safety. I don't know if that was just a senior day thing. Um, but Avante Williams came in off the bench, played 40 snaps, 28 at free safety. Um, when Carter kind of went back in the box and, and played strike or some, um, I want to see if Avante Williams starts this week against Duke. That's that's, that would be interesting, right. To see him in the starting lineup or do they go back to Amari? Uh, I, don't right. know. I think, I think, uh, since Frierson, uh, participated in the senior day also, and they started him at striker, that might've been a senior day thing. Could have been, could have been. Um, Tyler Van Dyke, and, and I'm going through my story here on, on theathletic.com with, with some of the stuff that I wrote about because I want to be able to talk about it here on the podcast. But um, one, one stat I looked up that was impressive, um, 19 big-time throws in his seven ACC starts. Uh, that's third, tied for third with Devin Leary and Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, according to Pro Football Focus. And I looked up the overall stats since the Virginia game, even when he was crappy, okay? This is taking into account when he wasn't at his best. Um, where are those numbers? Here they are. Um, his passing yards since the Virginia game, 2,267 yards, 19 touchdowns, six picks. The yardage is eighth most, and the touchdowns is seventh most. And, um, again, like, if you're Miami, you have to be feeling good about the future with this guy after what he showed. And uh, the throw, I, I thought Rhett Lashley talking this week a little bit about the, the throw that he put on Rashard Smith with the touch, that yeah. was the most impressive throw because it's one thing to just throw the ball out and the receiver runs under the ball and gets it. Um, but to put the kind of touch he did to anticipate that he was going to blow past their two DBs in that situation and to put the ball in the money, 
right after injuring his knee, by the way, right after spending 10 minutes in the tent, getting his knee looked at and getting medicine and injections or whatever the hell they did to him. um, That's the first play. The first throw he makes just shows you naturally how fast this kid has improved. Not only that, but I, you were, we were texting during the game or or I was texting. You were just reading my text and uh, rolling your eyes (laughs) along with what Kelvin was responding to me. Um, And I said, it's, it's incredibly impressive how this guy can throw a wet ball so well. And as, as, a, as somebody that's played quarterback, not well, but played it, um, <laughs> I understand how hard it is to throw a wet ball. And this guy made that throw in those conditions. Even though it wasn't raining at the moment, that ball was still wet. The field was still wet. To make that kind of a deep throw with that kind of accuracy was incredibly impressive. And as soon as I texted that, that's when he made the throw to Brashard Smith. And I went nuts. Uh, my wife was looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with you? I was like, I'm, I'm just, I'm psychic. <laughs> yeah, it, it was an amazing throw. And um, that, you know, again, as I wrote Saturday, he is the silver lining in all of this. You can be disappointed about being preseason 14 and starting two and four and all of that kind of stuff. But man, how long has Miami been searching for a quarterback? And let me tell you, I, I think it could be worse. It could be Florida. Yeah. I, and I think Jake Garcia is just as good. Like, I know we haven't yeah. seen him, but shit, man, like we saw the spring game. We saw those throws like people were telling me, I'm telling you. And, and, and I talked a little bit. We saw uh, Central I, Connecticut. When I form my opinions, man, like it is based off of my conversations with people who know football. OK, I'm just a fat sports writer. I, I'm talking about people who know football and they're like, these dudes could start at probably a, every ACC school or Clemson. That's what they told me the spring. I've said this. I don't know how many times in this podcast now. And. That was before they saw DJ Uangalale fall apart, right? And Clemson's offense fall apart. I'm, I'm willing to bet if I went back to these same guys who I talked to right after that spring game, they would say Tyler Van Dyke's the best quarterback in the ACC next year. And yeah. Jake Garcia might be 1B. Pretty much. And they still got Jacory Brown coming in who's got a lot of talent after those guys. So you've got a, a loaded quarterback room going into next season. That is the victory. That is your touchdown dance for this season. And I think you've also got some good, talented young players at receiver. I really like Jacoby George. He's grown on me as the season has gone on. He's a ridiculously good return man. I think Romello Brinson, if we can somehow add paperweights to his body somehow and get him a little heavier, I think he could be a a, a legit number one, like a lot of these guys were talking about. And then you have Elijah Royo, who at, at times is flashed, right? So... And then you guys got, have guys that have gotten injured this year that have some potential, like Michael Reddy. Uh, you've got a guy that's been utilized here and there, like Xavier Restrepo, who's shown some promise. You've got Brashard Smith, who's that ex-weapon. So there's a lot of, lot of stuff on offense to be happy about. Yeah, and, and I know it's going to suck losing Charleston Rambo at the end of this year because he's a legit wide, number one wide receiver. He's a legit guy who's fearless um, when, it, when he goes down the field. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's at least – it feels like you have guys in reserve that are coming up the ranks that are going to be good. And there's some depth at that position. And that's that's what you want with your quarterback, regardless of who is the coach. I know people have said, well, what if Relashi leaves? You know, is the next guy going to come in and change the offense and blah, blah, blah? I, I said this last night on the uh, on the on the Twitter space. All of these dudes are MFing mercenaries. They can come in. They're professionals. They can adjust yeah. their system. <laughs> They'll adjust their own language. So the kids use their own language and there's no confusion with play calling. Like you have to understand, like. Uh, these college coaches can adapt. And, you know, if, if, if assuming Manny Diaz comes back next year, he would not want whoever he puts in charge of the offense to change anything. Right. So, no, 
And, and I think the new coach would want the same thing for the, for the, for the players. If it's a new coach, like he, he wouldn't want to come in and all of a sudden have these guys learn a completely different, like, what's the point you've seen what these guys are good at. So yeah, like, there's two things. One, one, let me talk about that Rambo point that you made. I think Keyshawn Smith could be that guy that steps in for Rambo. He's shown the ability uh, this year to be a good uh, compliment to Rambo. He might be the guy that takes that next step on that outside. Second, no offensive coordinator that gets hired by Miami is going to come in here and run the wing team. Right. We're not going to the Air Force, Army, triple option, okay? That's not going to happen. Coaches aren't stupid. And, and if the, whoever is the head coach, whether it be Manny Diaz or whoever takes a job, is not going to come in here and put this offense back in the stone age with all these weapons all around. Um, all right. Uh, and the only other things that, that were interesting this week, and we still don't know what bowl they're going to go to uh, other than, you know, the, the couple of examples, which it could be the Sun Bowl again. It could be the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, you know, it could be um, – I don't know, man, like just a bunch of places you don't want to be in December. Um, <laughs> but uh, wherever they go, I just hope they get a good matchup and we get and we get to see these these young guys on offense thrive. Um, as far as senior bowl invites, I reached out to Jim Nagy. OK, he's the executive director, the guy who puts on this game um, for the senior bowl or selects guys. Basically, it's Lou Headley and maybe Rambo. OK, I know there was a shitload of names that were attached to it. Obviously, old Bolden and King got hurt. Um but I asked him who, which hurricanes have a chance. Those are the two. So there you go. Before anybody else reports it and takes credit for it. Um, <laughs> they're they're going to say they're going to say it backwards. They're actually going to say maybe Ramble and then Headley, and they're going to say it's their report because they don't have to attribute that since they changed the order of the guys. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Let me look at the questions here. I sent out. Uh, nobody's nobody's paying attention. This is a Thanksgiving episode. Everybody should be eating turkey right now or doing whatever whatever the hell you do on Thanksgiving. It's going to be pork for this house. Um, cause that's how we roll. What are you doing by the way, for the food? Normally we do, we do both. We both uh, do lechong and turkey. Okay. Uh, um, so double fisted, double that's fisted. The go. That's the way you do it. Right. Um, oh, important note here. If you're listening to this podcast up through Monday, November 29th, I know this is going to piss you off, Carlos. You can sign up for a dollar a month for 12 months. Deal of the year for athletic subscribers. Yeah, I love this. Awesome. I love how the athletic always comes out with these deals after they've already re-upped me at the regular price. This is bullshit. <laughs> hey, so man, you know so- what? You can thank you can thank me for your continued employment. <laughs> All right, a subscriber. Yes. All right. Uh, let's get to some questions. I think we this is small. We can do a quick mail back here and get out of this hopefully soon. Um, I'm gonna go all the way to the bottom here and see who. Uh, all right, here, here's a good one. This is from Norman Alvarez on Twitter. Uh, why didn't Manny hire a defensive coordinator this year since he's still learning how to be a head coach? Your response. I'll let you go first. Ego. Because as, as a defensive coordinator, as a guy that uh, earned the head coaching job because of his prowess as a defensive coordinator, he felt that he could fix this thing and get it right um, because he knew better. And he felt that there was nobody out there better than him to take his job. He's been sadly mistaken. I can't argue with you. I think Manny thought this was going to be easy, and he was already involved. We know he was involved. Blake Baker was calling the plays last year. The defense has changed. They are more aggressive. They are blitzing a lot more, but part of that is losing Jalen Phillips and and Quincy Roche. My problem with Manny's defense is it's too choreographed. It's it's too predictable in the sense that offenses know when he's blitzing, what kind of blitzes he's bringing, and it's just not effective enough. And if you're going to blitz, 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 blitz with this secondary – 
uh, you better be good on the back end. And they're not good enough on the back end. So that's why they're being exposed. Yeah. And my, my other problem with this defense, which I mentioned on my podcast, is you, you've got to get away from the labels on guys and just put your best 11 on the field and then figure that shit out afterwards. Uh, David Hernandez, D Hernan on Twitter says, what are the pros and cons of Manny being here for another year? And do you see Rhett leaving for SMU or for any head coaching job? Uh, if SMU offers Rhett Lashley, he's gone. Cause that's a good job. Um, you know, early on in the season, we thought it might be UConn or some lower tier job that'd be offered, but SMU is a step up, a big step up above UConn and anything else we thought he might be offered. So yes, I think Rhett is gone if SMU offers. Um, what are the drawbacks to having Manny back? Well, one, obviously, the continued bitching and whining of the fan base, um, the possible continued late game follies and bad decisions if he continues to be the defensive coordinator, um, potentially, you know, having another shitty recruiting class the following year to match this one so far. Those are the, the, the cons. What are the pros? Well, if he makes the right decisions, hiring a new defensive coordinator or having Bob Stupich, which is Bob Shoup, which is more likely becoming the, the defensive coordinator from the analyst role. And he hires another good offensive coordinator to replace Rhett Lashley, whether that's elevating Rob Likens or maybe going after Frank Potts or something like that, and is able to get what he needs from the transfer portal and JUCO to plug in and help this current high school recruiting class. He can get to 10 wins, like you said um, last podcast that I sort of pushed back on and I thought about, and I agreed. So if he can get the 10 wins, uh, if he can do all those things and get the 10 wins and get to a conference championship, who knows what we got. I, I couldn't have said it any better. Uh, I was trying to see if you missed anything and nothing comes to mind right off the top of my head. I think your, your explanation is, is great. I think the one, the one con I would say is if he comes back and this bombs, then you could have a nuclear disaster here of kids transferring out um, and being unable to hire a real re replacement coach until December. And that would be very, very problematic. You don't want to be USC or... Uh, any of these other programs that have to fire your coach early in the year. I think that's more detrimental. And right. you don't want another repeat of the Al Golden thing. Right. And, and, and I would say the other aspect is um, from a recruiting standpoint, like this class is going to be shitty. We know that. Um, but you can't really have two in a row. So those would be the cons if things go bad for Manny Diaz. But I think he's got a good enough team coming back that if he's still the coach, and they spend a shitload of money on athletic director. I mean, on, on, well, athletic director and then offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. Like if he has that support system around them, it could be a good thing. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, what is the best case scenario for head coach and athletic director? Well, I, I'll, I'll start with this one. I think the best case scenario for head coach is Mario. And I said this before Manny was hired um, to replace Mark Richt. And I think athletic director, you know, to me, I just want a guy who can upgrade everything at Miami football, obviously is King first. Um, but I think uh, between baseball, basketball, uh, I, I want a guy who can, who can sort of shake things up here a little bit and has the connections around college sports. Uh, I don't have a name. I don't know I, who, who follows ADs, right? Like who really follows right. seven sports? Um, I, I just want a guy who's going to have those connections. That's going to make this, the program overall better. Exactly. All right. Why does it seem like media is suddenly pushing the Manny staying narrative? This is from Tired Kane. Okay. I don't know that it's necessarily the media suddenly pushing this. Uh, we've been saying this for like three weeks. Also on this podcast, Manny's been saying it's a, it's a possibility. I think people are just starting to perk up and hear it now because other people are reporting it. And the other option is because Manny's probably putting stories out there 
to try and uh, help his case and get people prepared. I also think it's possible the university itself is putting these reports out there so people aren't completely shocked if he does come back and don't get hit with an ice bucket challenge of ice water over their head when they find out Manny's coming back. There's going to have to be a lot of PR work done no matter what if Manny comes back, right? Like, you're going to have to sell this. Like, the athletic director is going to have to come in and be like, he's our guy. Look at how hard these guys fought under him. You know, we really believe in him. We're going to get him the best assistant. Like, to me, all of that is going to be part of whatever the hell the next athletic director comes in and says if they keep Manny. So if Manny comes back, I'm going to have to say Alonzo Highsmith has to be part of the program somehow because that will soften the blow. It could. Right. Absolutely. Um, all right. This is from Stephen Castle. The second. What would you think of Ken Dorsey being a part of the offense in some way? Ken Dorsey is not taking this job unless he's the offensive coordinator. And even still, I don't think he's coming here because he wants to be an NFL offensive coordinator. Ken Dorsey does not like recruiting from what we've been told by Kelvin. Uh, he does not like dealing with younger kids. He wants to just be an X's and O's guy because he's kind of a reserved introvert who loves the game but doesn't like all the other shit that comes with it. Uh, I, I've spoken to Ken Dorsey maybe once in the last two years, and he told he, he just kept telling me how much he loves being in Buffalo. Okay? Like, he just loves Which is being- weird. That's a weird fetish, Kenny. Being in Buffalo, you love that. Wow, lo- must be the win. He loves being out there in the in the NFL. He really does. I think that's where his passion is. Um, all right. This is from Christopher Camastra. Are any high-profile upperclassmen particularly likely to transfer when, if Manny is let go? Uh, what what high-profile upperclassmen? Because all we got is young kids that are going to make it to this. Yeah. I, when I look at this and I say high-profile upperclassmen, I would say guys that are only playing part-time, right? Well, who's that? Uh, Jordan Miller, right? A defensive tackle. He's not going on. Right? I mean, I guess he, he could always transfer. Um, DJ Ivy, right? He still technically has another year of eligibility. He could transfer. Um, I, n- again, none of these are high-profile guys, but they're, but they're guys. Um, let me see who else. I mean, maybe I Cam, say this. Maybe I, Cam Harris, I, I, if he comes back I, or, or says he's not ready for the pros. I don't know. I would say that the, the thing that would cause people to transfer out uh, if a new coach is hired, is if the system that's being implemented does not fit their skill set, right? So, like, let's say the next head coach comes in and wants to install a 3-4 defense or a 3-3-5, and these defensive ends don't fit that, or they, they're, the coverages that they're going to be running don't fit whoever's in that secondary, then those guys get out. Correct. I, I Yeah, I would say from that perspective, if their position coach gets fired, right, um, maybe there's some guys there. I don't think Corey, I, I don't think any of the starters who still have eligibility left and want to keep playing college football are going anywhere, whether Manny Diaz is coach or not. Um, yep. Backups, potentially, yes. Potentially. I mean, I mean, Usman Treor, right? He is a backup. He's not playing much. Is he going to play next year? No, but he still has eligibility and he's still a guy who has started here. Could he leave? Sure. Um, I, I just whatever, like it's not anybody who's I don't suspect anybody who's high profile to leave um, with the coaching change. That said, you fire Manny Diaz early. It's still open season on players, right? Like other schools can come in. And, and so that's why that little game has been played for so long here. Um, all right. Uh, let's let's roll through these because you got to get on the road, brother. This is from all Go- Al Gauthier, 508 Kane fan. 
it isn't a big recruiting class, but those who have committed still staying, even with a head coaching change. Could we see potential recruits wait till February to survey all that does or doesn't happen? What about the current roster path to the portal with a new head coach? All right. So again, kind of the same subject. I'll say this about the current recruits. Um, Kamari Rogers, the kid out of Mississippi. I think he's visiting Mississippi state on December 3rd. Although I know he came and he was here on the Miami visit and had a good time with his parents, supposedly. And then I know Isaiah Horton, the four-star receiver out of the Tennessee area has said, if there's coaching change, he's probably going to open it up. So there's only eight commitments. Could guys leave? Yes. I'll, I'll answer that. The, tra- the rest of the transfer portal stuff, we'll have to see who actually enters it. Um, all right. This is from rarely do it tweet. TT Co. Makati. Where did all these so-called insiders come from? And why do they have so many people swear by them? All they've done is speculate and spread false rumors that they likely started themselves as truth. I don't even think there's a question in there, Carlos. We've already addressed this. Right. We're good. All right. And this is from Asher Wilder. Manny, where is once again Ed Reed in all this? Diaz hired him. I believe reports have been out. He even wants to coach. But if Highsmith has a role, Diaz is out. What is the future of Reed? And who does he back? Manny Diaz. Will he throw him under the bus? Don't understand the Reed role. Yeah, I, I think um, I think the, the Ed Reed stuff is interesting in the wow. sense that I, I think he's he's so enraptured with everything else that he's doing in his life. And he does a lot of other things besides uh, serve as chief of staff that he's not as maybe involved as maybe some people at Miami want him to be or he wants to be. But at the same time, too, I don't know that Ed is ready to dive headfirst into this. I've never read him to be in that situation. I think he likes the role that he's in. Maybe he wants a bigger role, but he also the commitment factor. Like, I, I just don't yeah. I, I don't know how the Ed Reed thing works. I know it hasn't maybe necessarily worked the way fans and maybe even Manny Diaz wants it. Although Manny Diaz hasn't complained. He's given nothing but Ed credit for the advice that he gives the players. So I think I think it's Ed's role more of a, is more of a figurehead thing where he's more of an ambassador for the program. He comes in when he can to help these players, uh, you know, have some connection to the past and the culture that it takes to win. Um, but aside from that, you know, if Ed doesn't want to end up, he does want to end up coaching. He's not going to coach in college. He wants to coach in the Bronx. Right. Uh, this one's from Jake Campbell, the one coach soup, taking a peek at the portal, which obviously Miami has to dip into. I see strong from LSU and Joseph from Tennessee as linebacker, linebacker option. Even if it's depth Doyle at A&M at defensive end and Banks at Bama cornerback could replace Johnson Stevenson. Any others make sense. Jake, I, I did this a couple of weeks ago. I started looking at the portal. And with all the AD firing and all that, I kind of stopped. Um, but those names, some of those names were in there already. I know the, the cornerback from Alabama was recently added. All of those guys make sense. I think you're going to see Miami look once again to the SEC programs, just like they did, uh, or, or programs like Oklahoma to get, you know, the fourth, fifth best guys at those schools the way that they did last year. That's what makes sense. Look for them to go to, to good power five programs to find guys. That's the, yeah. And the only difference is that now the, the competition for players in the portal is heated. up. Right. All right. And last question. This is from Rick Smith at Kane stealth. Can you explain the bipolar nature of fans? A few weeks ago, the pitchforks and flames were out for coach Lashley. Now everyone is ready to take drastic measures to keep them from bolting to SMU. Like, did we all forget first, second and third down run straight up the middle? <laughs> I cannot explain <laughs> the bipolar nature of fans only to say we've always been bipolar. Have we not Carlos? It's the nature of a fan, right? When things are going good, everything's perfect. Everything is great. When things look shitty, it's, it's very negative. Um, but I will give Hurricane, the Hurricane fan base credit. 
we are consistently negative even when it's good. So we, we do a great job of being negative even in the good times. But uh, yeah, there is a lot of people were calling for Rhett Lashley's head. They thought he had forgotten how to be an offensive coordinator early in the season. And then now all of a sudden he's the genius. So it's just the nature of the beast, man. It happens. And you swing back and forth. It's an emotional thing. Even I on Saturdays become an emotional wreck and swing back and forth uh, emotionally as the course of the game goes on and even right after the game. And then someday I start coming back down to being a normal person again. Yeah, I think we all do that, right? We play the results and we, we, we play the situation and we say, what, why didn't he do this or why didn't he do that? I'll say this for Rhett Lashley. Um, the running game hasn't been as good as you wanted it to be this year. That's the one area I'm disappointed where I had more higher hopes. Then again, he lost two of his top three running backs and his best pulling guard in Jalen Rivers. And yep. they did get better. The offensive line did get better as the year progressed. They did stick with one group. And those guys have done a fine job uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, that said, yeah, they done a great job at pass protection. That said, um, you need some help in the running game. You need to improve that. Um, is Rhett Lashley the greatest offensive coach I've ever seen? No, uh, but that doesn't mean he's a bad coach. That doesn't mean he hasn't done a good job with Tyler Van Dyke and helping him progress. And you know what? There are a lot of guys like Rhett Lashley out there that that are that are solid guys, good coaches that recognize when they, you know, when they play things too slow. The one thing I'll respect Rhett Lashley for is admitting that, hey, I was too conservative with, with Tyler Van Dyke in the beginning, right? I was too cautious. I, I didn't want to let him rip. Yep. But after two games, the dude made a change and he realized, hey, I got to let this guy rip. And that's just part of the game, man. Like yep. you have to earn that trust. Um, I don't have any problems with Rhett Lashley being Miami's offensive coordinator, but I think he is going to be yep. out somewhere. So. Carlos, thank you once again for participating in this week's Wide Right. And where can people listen to your podcast? It's uh, at MIA All Day Pod is my uh, Twitter handle for the podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere you hear a podcast. It's the MIA All Day Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at El Ledo1307, E-L-L-E-D-O-1307. Um, I don't tweet often. Uh, mostly I just sit in the background. But when I do, I try to be some sort of uh, – I try to be entertaining is what I'll, I try to do. Correct. And, and you know, again, I'm going to repeat this one more time for me. The Athletic, a dollar, 12 months. Do it now. Sign up. Go to one of my Kane stories. Click on it. Sign up. A dollar a month. Do it now. All right. So you can it. read truth and facts. Right, man. And I don't write often. I mean, that's the thing I love about this job is they're not asking me to pound the keyboard 24 hours a day. You know, like it's more realistic uh to, to lifestyle and i'll and i'll try to do the best stories i can every time I'm, i i do write um, but i'm not going to be you know rivals and 247 and all these other people that push out eight stories a day i don't know that do you how many stories do you actually read a day carlos and you're and you're a nut so how many stories do you really read a day wow it depends i read twitter more than i do actual articles but i'll read a couple articles a day at least right and you know you, you help a brother out that's that's it just help me out get a dollar a month man you can do it come on baby come on if, sign you, up. if you like Listen, and let's, let's, let's not even talk about the people that like reading your stuff or like listening to this podcast. For those of you that hate us and hate listening to this podcast, please sign up so we don't go away so you can continue having the pleasure of talking shit about us. <laughs> Carlos, happy Thanksgiving to you, man, and the family. Enjoy Same to you, it. man. Thank you, brother. And uh, we will be back next week, uh, maybe with some news on Manny Diaz and the athletic director. I don't know. We'll see. I just know I'm enjoying my uh, my holiday break. You enjoy your turkey. I'm going to have some work. news on what Manny Diaz ate for Thanksgiving dinner. That's that's the kind of news I like. Is, is Manny a sides guy or is he just like straight turkey? We'll find all that stuff out. Well, some people would just tell you he's a turkey altogether, right? True. <laughs> Very true. Good one. There we go. That's a good way to end the podcast.
Right there. Spike it. Spike it right there. 305 954 568. This is the state of Miami. Y'all know y'all come down that way.